Hey y'all, Madison here. Uh, had to interject before we get going with the podcast because literally as I was editing it, news came in about the Pac-12's plan to resume play. So you're going to hear us make reference to the Pac-12 in this episode. Just know that we had no details uh, and no foresight that this would be coming down tonight. We did know something was looming, but no decision had been made. Uh, details of that is that the Pac-12 will be returning to play on November 7th. They will be playing uh, seven games, and then they will have their championship weekend on the 19th. Much like the Big Ten, they're going to be doing crossover games for those not in the championship game. This will allow them to be considered for the playoffs, so we shall see about that uh, and how all of that looks. Interesting to note that a couple of Pac-12 schools are paused, I think most notably Colorado, uh, for two weeks due to spiking cases. So they still have an uphill battle to climb, but uh, due to rapid testing and the Big 12, or Big 10 rather, making way, the Pac-12 will be resuming play. So super excited to have all Big 5, uh, Power 5 I should say, schools back in action. But again, you're going to hear us reference the Pac-12 and whether or not they can return to play. Uh, so that's my little dis- little disclaimer that we had recorded this episode before that news came in. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now... Here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome into another edition of Rag and Rights. It is time to preview week four. Most notably, it is the first weekend that we will be having SEC football. Looks like we made it, Pierce. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for joining us. I'm Madison, and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm uh, I'm doing okay. I'm managing right now. I'm I'm. I'm looking forward to this weekend uh, so much that I'm I'm having trouble focusing during throughout the day, so that's where I'm at right now. I think it's uh, it's tough in what I do being the end of the month, but um, you know it's exciting uh, that we've got some uh, treats here coming in the next two days. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are getting three episodes this week. If you haven't heard our other episodes, we. Uh, recapped week three and then we did our SEC preview uh, yesterday. So looking forward to getting into the action there. A couple pieces of news here from the top. Uh, looks like Pierce the Pac-12 is trying to make a comeback and it looks like those games might start Halloween weekend or November 7th. I don't know how that looks uh, and it certainly it was expected after the Big Ten made a comeback as well. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's, it feels very reminiscent of the Big Ten except for it seems like a, a, you know not as much people care. Uh, and Maybe that just goes to show you the irrelevancy of the Big 12 or our lack of confidence that they might be able to get it together. But, you know, hey, we, we could be looking at the end of the uh, season, the last little month-long stretch having every single uh, conference back in action. So that's super exciting. We finally made it. Obviously, there's going to be canceled games uh, and it's going to be opt-outs and and things of that nature and and people who are declared, you know, COVID-free or, you know, rather having COVID. So best thing you can do is stay in touch with our social media so we can keep you up to date on all of that. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast because uh, I didn't know if I was going to preview this today, Pierce, but I do have a, a little announcement uh, for the rest of the season, because of the ever-present changing nature of the season, I think we're going to be doing a, a short-form, or rather I'll be doing a short-form news podcast every single morning. Five minutes, quick little, you know, quick hits. So make sure you're subscribed here 
on this podcast feed uh, and on our social media because those will be two places for you to get that little quick short form news dump uh, daily. Uh, you're perfect for a little drive in, you know, brushing your teeth, that kind of thing. So uh, it's perfect uh, just to keep up to date because like I said, so much is changing. It's a, it's a very sh- crazy year and I'm super excited to get into that. Uh, and again, social media at Brag and Pod across all social media platforms. That's bragging without the G. That's going to do it for housekeeping, Pierce. Uh, so I just kind of want to hear how you're feeling about this slate of games. It feels like we finally have some big matchups. The past few weeks have been, you know, a little lackluster. It's still been football. I don't want to complain, especially in a year like 2020. But this season, fi- or this weekend, rather, finally feels like we're getting a big slate of games uh, and a couple of big headlining matchups as well. So I'm super pumped uh, and I'm excited to, to get all into it. How are you feeling about this uh, week four? Uh, a mixed bag of emotions, uh, not going to lie. We hit on it, yes, uh, in our previous SEC preview, um, talking about how, you know, a lot of these teams, uh, all minus one or two that had major marquee opening weekend matchups, you know, usually these teams, the majority would have these cupcake type of uh kickoffs these first games of the season you know really you're just looking at guys it's it's a it's basically a, a glorified scrimmage and now even though you're you, you know you, you do have some uh lopsided matchups technically speaking um on paper there's still sec teams against sec teams um you're starting to get into the big 12 slate now um you know there's there's a couple good games down there that'll be intriguing to watch i don't know if they'll actually be great on the scoreboard but they'll be uh, intriguing for me being the big 10 resident here um i'm sorry big 12 excuse me um but that being said uh a little bit of nervous excitement uh, i think that you know normally we wouldn't have these many good games um and also nervous because i don't know what to expect there are a lot of question marks going into the season for for many many teams out there so um, it's, it's the unknown that's got me, uh, give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, well, it's going to be, uh, definitely interesting. I, I, I'm looking forward to breaking it all down. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. And the first game we're going to talk about, Pierce, is an SEC matchup. The number five Florida Gators are traveling to the Ole Miss Rebels. The lane train finally is going to make its debut there in Oxford, uh, or as they have been calling it because of his son named Knox, Knoxford. Uh, I'm super excited, Pierce, to see Lane Kiffin uh, suit up for the Rebels. He seems a little out of shape. I don't know if you saw his uh, little video he had, or, or rather his interview he had on PMT. Uh, pardon my take. There's some um, some pictures that have come out of, of him, and he seems to have uh, gained some weight. So uh, Too much gas station uh, fried chicken and catfish. I guess so. Hey, you know what? They, they, make, uh, they make some good southern food there in Oxford. But uh, nonetheless, despite our ribbing of the old ball coach, um, it's going to be fun to watch his uh, Ole Miss Rebels and what they look like, obvi- look like, obviously. I'm not super high, Pierce, on any first-year coaches. It's really hard when you have to take over a team without guys that you know very well. Uh, they're maybe not brought, bought into you and your system. You're bringing in new coordinators, and you have to do all of that over Zoom with limited face-to-face uh, practices. So that part of, of everything, if you're a first-year coach, doesn't make me super high on you. Uh, that being said, I, you know, the, the, the brand of football we've learned from Kiffin is that he is, uh, you know, he's going to go and put out a show. So the line here, Pierce, is the Rebels are going to be getting 13.5 points versus the Florida Gators. For the Florida Gators, uh, to their credit, they're going to be uh, – 
at the helm is going to be Kyle Trask. Uh, so he's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, in our SEC preview, we talked about how he's probably the most uh, consistent name or, or the most steady of the quarterback position here just because you've seen him play and you kind of know what you're getting. I believe he was like 66 in the, uh, percent or something like that in his uh, completion percentage last year. So they're going to have a pretty good quarterback helm. It just kind of depends what they're going to do uh, defensively. But that being said, I don't worry necessarily about their defense and that's uh, a defense that only gave up 15 and a half points last season uh, per game, rather, I should say. So for that, for that, uh, all those stats and everything like that, you got a new quarterback being broken in at Ole Miss. Uh, you've got a, a new system and everything of that nature. Despite Kiffin going to give us, a, I think it's going to be a fun game. I am going to take the Florida Gators with the points there. Uh, 13 and a half. I think they cover that all day long in Vaught anyway. So uh, just out of curiosity real quick, the uh, lines that you sent me, are you going off of those or are you going off of uh, adjusted lines? Oh, well, hold on. What did I send so, you? Did I not so, send you 13 and a half? Uh, yesterday when you sent it, it was 14 and a half Florida because that greatly changes. And that's the fun part about looking at the lines is you do have to be cognizant of, you know, hey. Sure. Uh, well, let's do the ones that, uh, that, are, that are adjusted, the ones we're doing right now as we record this here on Thursday I like night. I like it. Well, you know, if we're going 13 and a half, um, that changes my pick. I was, uh, you know, I lean heavy towards the Gators. I, I, I like Kyle Trask. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to necessarily wow people. He's not going to throw for gaudy numbers, but um, he's going to manage that team and he's going to be able to make some of the big throws, uh, which they've been missing there in, in Gainesville. I'm I'm interested to see. Obviously, a big question mark is how's Lane Kiffin's offense going to look. Um, you know, typically, well, you look at this. This this is a recipe for these opening games between teams that have not played. Um, the the run heavy teams ought to be the ones that hang close, even if they're not as talented. So you would think there'd be a heavy dose of John Reese Plumley. I don't know if that's going to be the case here. Um, I think they'll run Ely a good bit. I think Corral is going to get a heavy dosage to see what he has through the air. Um, and I just think when you have two quarterbacks, you have too many. You just don't, you don't have one. It's whatever that saying is. Um, I'm a little worried about Florida's offensive line, but on defense, I just see them shutting down this Ole Miss team. I I think they're going to take a few games to get clicking on offense, uh, and what Kiffin wants. Uh, this is a Florida team that was only gave up 15 and a half points last year. Uh, yes, they did lose a few guys, but you know you can always expect Florida to reload on the defensive side of the ball, especially at the uh, skill position. Uh, position. So I like Florida here, especially under the 14. At 14 and a half, I'd be a little bit cautious. You know, you know backdoor cover, or if you know they pull Kyle Trask at a, a early, you know that those are things to watch out for. But I got to go Florida minus 13 and a half here over the Ole Miss Rebels. All right, so we're in lockstep there, Pierce, taking the Florida Gators. The next one is going to be another all-SEC. I mean, they're obviously <laughs> all-SEC. I was about to make a dumb statement, but we're going to stay in the SEC, I should say. The number 23 Kentucky Wildcats are traveling down to the Plains to take on the number 8 Auburn Tigers. This will be their first trip down to Auburn since 2009. And obviously Auburn being a pretty storied program in the sense that they have a, uh, you know, they, they have their down years too, but they're more consistent. Whereas Kentucky being known more as a basketball school, this is going to be the most competitive Kentucky team we've ever seen go down and play Auburn. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to see this matchup. The media is super high on Kentucky Pierce and, and, and I am too. I'm, I'm super excited to see Terry Wilson and uh, you know, they've, they've certainly returned some good talent as well. I don't know if I'm as high on them as the rest of the media, but I do think that they are going to have, uh, you know, something to say about this competition here in Auburn. I think in years past you might look at that, or if you're not as clued in, you might look at this 
match up and go, oh, well, Auburn all day long because, duh, it's Kentucky. That being said, I, I don't trust Bo Nix at all. And even though he has his flashes, he's not consistent. And, and granted, he's coming into his second year, so hopefully that'll be better for the Auburn Tigers. But I, I want to highlight really quickly Kentucky's Jamar Boogie Watson. He had 13 and a half career sacks last night. I think that he gets to Knicks a couple times and is able to uh, help that defense out. And despite the fact that Knicks is able to put up some pretty good numbers, he was, uh, he set a passing record or passing yards record last year, as well as touchdown passes uh, for school freshmen. Um, but I don't think that he's able to get it done. And, and You've got a line here of Kentucky getting seven and a half points. I like them to cover that. I don't know if I like them outright. I'm a little bullish on that. Um, but I think that it comes down to a late kick maybe uh, by, by the Auburn Tigers. So I think I like Auburn to win, but I like Kentucky to cover that spread. And what what did you have that just seven and a half? Okay, seven and a half. You know, this one, <laughs> I, you know, this is the inside of a, of a gambler's mind here uh, or someone that follows the, the lines heavily. You know, going back to the end of last year, Auburn, I really liked what they had. Yes, they lost some big key players, Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson on the outside. So they lost some some good players, especially on the offensive line. Um, I, I just thought Nix was a winner. He didn't throw many picks last year as a freshman. I think he only threw six total uh, interceptions. That's incredible for a freshman. Um, you know, yes – didn't have unbelievably crazy numbers outside of that. I think he topped about 2,700 yards passing, but he commanded that offense and and was able to get it done and, and was just seemed like a winner. Um, you know, looking now, having done a lot more uh, research and, and having gone back and watched his tape, you know, he's not that great of a quarterback in all honesty. Um, now, there's something to be said about someone being a winner. I mean, you know, look at Tebow. He wasn't a great uh, quarterback from uh, – you know, pure quarterback standpoint, but he just knew how to win. He was a gamer. So I was all over Auburn here um, back early in the summer after doing uh, more looking into this. I want to go, I want to go Kentucky, but you hit the nail on the head with the, the entire national media and, and even people who don't seem to know a crap are all on Kentucky. And that really, really, really scares me. So I'm going to take a flyer here. This is not where I'd, I would, place my uh my hard-earned money or where I truly believe but because of that I'm gonna go Auburn I need to be different here I have, I've struggled the first two weeks um I I, I think Kentucky's the, the heavy public fit side and I I think uh, I think Auburn comes out and I still think Auburn could sneak sneak up and beat some teams that maybe maybe people didn't think they could I think they finished second uh second in the west right behind Alabama Okay, there you go. So we're going to be differing there. That'll be a fun one to watch together to see uh, who's going to come on top. Jeff Prifty's not going to be happy with you, but, you know, hey, business is business. Sorry, Jeff. All right, next up, let's head over to the ACC. We've got the number 24 Louisville Cardinals going to Pitt to take on the number 21 Panthers. Uh, Pitt Pierce, I wouldn't have thought it, but they're undefeated so far, 2-0. and Louisville coming off of their skid last week versus Miami where they took a thrashing at home. This line is Louisville's going to be getting three points. Uh, I am going to go Louisville in this for uh, the, the sole reason this, that, uh, you know, any time that you have a letdown, especially at home, you're embarrassed. I think you're going to have a little bit of a, uh, 
a grudge, I guess, or, or you want to shake that off. And I don't think Louisville is the type of team. I think Scott Satterfield has built them up to the type of team where they're not going to necessarily drop to, especially to a pit. Now Pitt is doing pretty well. It's, you know, not necessarily that I think that they're going to roll over and die by any stretch of the imagination. Their defense Pierce has been absolutely absurd so far through two games. They've only allowed 26 yards. That's a uh, pretty unreal. They are led by Pickett. They are the junior quarterback uh, and he's putting up okay numbers, but I want to preview this little uh you know combination you got Malik Cunningham to 2-2 Atwell they connected for two touchdowns last week 114 yards and Pitt that is actually where they're you know quote-unquote weak spot it's not like they're giving up a ton of yards they've actually had a really good pass defense as well but I think that Malik Cunningham uh to 2 Atwell is able to uh have a pretty good day and I think Louisville covers that spread so give me the cards uh, this is another game that I am just so torn over. <laughs> I, I was high on Louisville. I still ha- am high on Louisville. Uh, I we they were exposed a little bit against Miami. Um, I think some of that was due to uh, what's the right word here? Um, not their lack of talent on defense, just their scheme on defense. They they tend to give you a lot of space, and they, and that obviously. Derek King just stood back there and was able to pick them apart, go deep, go short, go all over the place. Um, I I was leaning Louisville early in the week. I'm going to go pit in this one. I think they're going to play more disciplined uh, defense, and I don't think they're going to give Miami or Louisville as many big plays. And I don't think uh, Louisville is going to be able to get as many plays against this pit defense who who held Syracuse to 170 yards last year or last week. Excuse me. I, I'm getting my words all messed up. That's how messed up this game is for me. Hey, you um, sound like me. I know, right? Uh, I'm going to go pit here. I, I know that this is uh, – I'd stay away from this game altogether, um, but for the purposes of this pick'em, I'm going Pitt. All right, he's got Pitt. Hey, did you see? Speaking of Pitt, their uh, uniforms they're going to be wearing in this uh, competition. Silver. Yeah, so it's like they're Steel City because obviously you know with Pittsburgh being the Steel City, you got the Steelers, everything like that. So they're going. I believe it's all black and it's pretty fresh. It's like a blacked out uniform, and then they've got these helmets that kind of look like steel. I'll flash you a picture here. Uh, you, we'll we'll tweet something out in case hmm. you uh, haven't seen this yet uh, at Bragg and Pod. But uh, they're going with a pretty sick uniform, so that's going to be fun to see them donning that. They won't be in their uh, blue and gold like they're used to. So I, I'll be interested to see. Uh, that, uh, how it looks, I guess, how it translates. I wish it was kind of at nighttime. It's going to be middle of the day, so that's kind of unfortunate. Kind of sick, though. But that being said, you know, we've seen some of those alternate uniforms. We are all too familiar with the alternate uniforms biting teams in the butt. So uh, we'll, we'll see about that one. All right, Pierce, it's time. It's finally time to see your TCU Horn Frogs in action. Iowa State is going to be traveling down to uh, TCU to take on the Horn Frogs. Your Horn Frogs will be picking up two and a half points. Um, have they named a starter? I know that their uh, quarterback, Max Dugan, obviously he was diagnosed with a he- um, heart condition uh, as a result of COVID screening. It wasn't because of COVID. It was a birth defect, but he's going to be back in action, I believe. Yeah, but he's not going to be starting. Okay. Um, believe it or not, Matthew Downing, a transfer from Georgia, is actually going to be starting this week. There you go. So that's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, last season, Pierce, uh, Gary Patterson and company didn't finish the way they would have liked to. They went 5-7, and seven, lost six of their last home games. So they really are hoping to get something going here early. Iowa State, of course, 
course, coming off of that loss to Louisiana, uh, the Ragin' Cajuns, who seem to have a pretty good team. But that being said, I mean, as high as we both were on Iowa State in the Big 12, a little bit embarrassing for them. Um, I will be interested to see the TCU Horn Frogs with Downing at the helm. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see if Iowa State can bounce back. Like I said, the spread there is plus two and a half for the Horn Frogs. I like Iowa State in this game. And that kills me to say that because I want to take, you know, I want to root, and I'm going to be rooting for your TCU Horn Frogs, uh, but I'm going to take Iowa State because we've seen these teams have a bit of a faltering when they are in their first game back just because of the limited reps. Now, granted, TCU's had a couple more ga- uh, weeks to get ready as opposed to the Big 12 schools that started a few weeks ago. But that being said, I look for it to be a little bit of a sloppy game um, from TCU trying to get everything back in order. So I'm going to go Iowa State in this. I think Brock Purdy has a relatively good day he just needs to go out and be solid I'm going to take uh, Iowa State uh, minus two and a half like everything you just said there um, I think this is a major bounce back spot for Iowa State they've had two weeks to to just sit in Ames and and brew over this uh, their loss that they had two weeks ago at the hands of Louisiana Lafayette Um, you know the interesting thing is you can kind of say something similar for TCU they were supposed to play SMU a couple weeks back that got postponed, so they were basically in game. They were basically ready to play a game, and then things got canceled two days before. So they've been sitting on that as well. So they're going to be extra motivated, and I think ultra prepared as well. I think when it when it boils down, what it boils down to here is um, how each each of these two teams are going to play. I don't think either are going to be too dynamic on offense. I think TCU is the far more talented team. I think Iowa State ha- plays a uh, good brand of football that that. Um, you know, they're going to be able to hang. and I wouldn't be surprised if they get up on TCU. While I want to pick Iowa State winning, I, at the end of the day, I do think TCU has the uh, overall better talent. They're getting two and a half at home. Therefore, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the home underdog uh, getting the two and a half points. Not super confident about it. Um, you'll see where I go with this uh, in, in taking a pick in this game later on. You'll, you'll kind of see where uh, my method for my madness is here. But um, I'll go TCU. They've got the better talent at home. Let's hope that they're, uh, they're ready to play, and this is a bounce-back year for them. All right, at 2.30 on CBS, your CBS Game of the Week, I'm already getting goosebumps thinking about the music, Pierce. The CBS music let he heading into uh, SEC. You got uh, Gary and Brad there ready to kick it off. And the game that we're going to be previewing for that SEC Game of the Week is the Mississippi State Bulldogs heading into Death Valley to take on the number six LSU Tigers. LSU, of course, off of a historic season where they won the national championship they're going to start their title defense. I don't think many people are thinking that they're going to be able to back-to-back it, but we'll see what kind of a season they have. Replacing a ton of talent, they sent 14 players, including Joe Burrow, number one pick, off to the NFL last season, and Jamar Chase and Tyler Shelvin have both opted out as well. So there's a lot of talent that they've missed, or they're, that they're losing, rather, they've lost. Um, so it's going to be a basically brand new team that you're not used to seeing out there on the field from top to bottom. Miles Brennan is going to be their quarterback, and I'm not hearing a lot of great things about him, but I kind of am going, hey, listen, he's not going to be Joe Burrow. Even if he puts up, uh, you know, two-thirds of the number Joe Burrow puts put up his uh, season, his only season at LSU, 
he's going to look like a disappointment a little bit. But that being said, I think that uh, ultimately it's going to come down to whether or not Mike Leach with his new program is able to cover the spread, which is 16 and a half points. They're going to be getting 16 and a half points. He does have Stanford quarterback KJ Costello who transferred in. Um, and Leach has said, hey, we've got some explosiveness. We just need to work on consistency. In a game like this, Pierce, though, you just need some explosiveness to cover that 16 and a half point spread. So I'm going to take Mississippi State. I think that LSU's got a lot of uh, new talent they've got to bring in, and I think that they eventually get their foot, their feet underneath them. Um, look, I, I think you transferred your not being able to speak powers to me. Uh, so I think that they're able to get their feet underneath them eventually, but I do think that uh, Mississippi State with a grad transfer quarterback and uh, Mike Leach are able to put up a couple big plays in order to uh, to cover that spread. So give me the LSU Tigers to win, Mississippi State Bulldogs to cover. I like that. Very uh, nice, safe pick, uh, I'd say. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think uh, I think this line is as low as it is because of everything we've heard this offseason about how many people that they sent to the NFL draft or graduated. At the end of the day, this team isn't set up necessarily to rebuild like uh, Clemson or an Ohio State or an, or an Alabama, but that, that doesn't matter. They still have a lot of really top-notch athletes. I think what you'll see is you'll you, – it's going to take a couple of weeks, at least in my opinion, for this Mike Leach offense to, to gain that consistency that you just mentioned. Um, and, and I just don't know how a spread it out type of offense that isn't clicking on all cylinders, you know, hasn't hasn't gotten those game reps, how they're going to go up against a, a defense with as many fast and physical front seven guys that, that LSU has. So um, I'm going to go LSU here, minus 16 and a half. I think that uh, at the end of the day, they'll just outclass Mississippi State. Wouldn't be surprised to see Mississippi State uh, barely cover this, but I think LSU uh, kind of coasts to a, a relatively easy victory here um, in Baton Rouge. All right, let's head out of the Power Five, Pierce. Let's talk about the number 22 Army Knights heading to Cincinnati to take on the number 14 Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, Army so far is 2-0, having wins over Louisiana Monroe and MTSU, who looks pitiful. Both those teams don't look great, so take that for what you will. Uh, Cincinnati won their first game against Austin P, which also doesn't look great. Um, but that being said, this is going to be an interesting matchup. I, you know, normally in a normal year, these two teams aren't ranked necessarily. You, if you add in the other uh, conferences, so uh, very unique to watch this uh, matchup here at 2:30 on ESPN. Uh, I'm going to throw this stat out at you, and I don't know if it's going to affect you at all, but Cincinnati has lost 15 of its last 16 games against ranked opponents. Now, again, on a normal year, those ranked opponents might be someone like Ohio State, Clemson, you know, those kinds of teams, Uh, you know, maybe a Pac-12 team, people that uh, are not not playing this season. Um, So Army being the team that is the ranked team, hey, maybe that affects you a little bit. Um, But that being said, it is an interesting thing to note. Uh, I'm going to go Army plus the 13.5 points on this spread, Pierce, because so far they are 2-0 against the spread. Cincinnati, even though they've only played one game, did not cover that spread. And I think that ultimately, Lord have mercy, you're making a lot of noise. Sorry, I'd been holding that in for like two minutes. I was Opening really cans, struggling over here. Opening hands, coughing into the mic. I was really struggling. You have no idea. My face probably red right now from holding that in. 
Good Lord. All right, well, let me get back to it. What I'm going to say is I'm going to pick Army here plus the 13 and a half. I think that uh, maybe you're looking at a backdoor cover situation. I do like Cincinnati to win. I think Luke Fickle has the Bearcats rolling over the past couple of seasons, and he is looking for another good one there in Cincinnati. But like I said, I think Army has what it takes to cover that uh, that two-point spread or two-point, <laughs> two-score spread, uh, and, and the Cincinnati not being great when it comes to big-time games is not helping me at all either. So I'm going to take Army plus the points. So I did not know about that stat. Um that Cincinnati's lost what 15 of the last 16 games against ranked opponents. Yep. Obviously you did. You're correct. They probably did play, you know, the Ohio state, some, some big, big time, uh, you know, contenders. So can't fault them too much there. Um, I'm taking army for a different reason. Uh, you know, you, you go, you, for reference, Georgia, obviously playing Georgia tech. How many times did Georgia tech beat us? And, and there was no doubt in our minds that we were exponentially better than them. These spread option teams, these triple option teams, just have a way of keeping it close. Now, the the kryptonite is if you get out to an early lead on them and they can't run the football, they've got to start throwing. That's obviously a daunting task. I think that uh, you know, since he being early on in the season, I just see this uh, this Army team being able to hang being triple option. And oh, by the way, there's not a crazy t- talent discrepancy there. Um, and then I, I look at the key stat here. Um, Army is 18-9-1 against the spread under Jeff Munkin anytime it's a, a dog of 3.5 points or more. They're at 13 and a half. Um, I think this is an easy, easy cover spot. You're right. Since he might win the game, I pro- they probably do win the game, but I love Army to cover this 13 and a half. Take Army all day. The West Virginia Mountaineers are traveling to Stillwater to take on the number 15 Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oklahoma, of, or Oklahoma State, I should say, of course, got uh, barely squeaked by Tulsa last week. Got kind of a wake-up call for them. West Virginia beat Eastern Kentucky back on the 12th of September. So they've had a couple weeks to uh, kind of prep for this Oklahoma State uh, offense that was expected to be explosive. I don't believe we know a status yet on Spencer Sanders, whether or not he'll be playing. He was seen in a walking boot a few days ago. That being said, West Virginia is preparing for him to play. Uh, in the Tulsa game, I think they had three different quarterbacks play for the Cowboys. So regardless, they've, they've got touches at all, all levels of their depth chart when it comes to the, the quarterback position. Um, Chuba Hubbard really struggled, Pierce. He only had uh, 93 yards on 27 carries last week. So he's got to right the ship a little bit there. Um, the spread here is West Virginia is going to be getting seven points. And I think I like West Virginia outright. I think that ultimately, even if Spencer Sanders is in, he's banged up. West Virginia has a pretty good team so far. We've seen uh, only one game. Again, the Eastern, uh, Eastern Kentucky game. But that being said, I really like what I'm seeing from them. So I'm going to take the Mountaineers uh, plus the points, but I do actually like them outright. Wow, bold, bold pick there. I love it. Um, this is another spot where I expect Oklahoma State to uh, to have a slight bounce back spot. You got to expect Chuba Hubbard is always going to be keyed on. Um, and so, you know, he's going to have a couple games where he just can't get much going, especially if they can't get anything going through the air like they couldn't get anything going against there against Tulsa. Um, so if that's the case, they could be in for a rude awakening here. This is going to be an interesting game. I think the way West Virginia, their scheme is on defense. It does allow Oklahoma state to, to find more room. I do think, uh, they'll have a, ba- a bit of a bounce back spot here def- or offensively defense against West Virginia's offense is going to be where it really comes down to, uh, this game. I, 
I really like Daigie. I love what he's doing uh, for West Virginia. I think he's a very good quarterback. Um, they've, they're going to have skilled players. I think this Oklahoma State defense is going to be better than uh, than a lot of teams give them credit for, gave them credit for going into the season. I'm going to go – I've got to go West Virginia here. I, 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 I can already sense it right now. It's the wrong pick. Um, but I just think West Virginia had a glorified scrimmage two weeks ago to get ready for this game. They've had two weeks to prepare now, um, not to mention they probably were preparing prior to the two weeks. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma State had a nail-biter last week, and, and they've got question marks going in. They still don't know what, what's going to happen on at the QB position. So because of that, I'm going to take West Virginia plus the 8.5 here. Um, could be an interesting game. Interesting to see if West Virginia does plot the outright win. If uh, Chuba Hubbard decides in a week or two, hey, I'm out. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 again, I don't. I think we picked it at different points because I think you're looking at the lines I sent a couple you, days ago. Uh, yeah. So what'd you say? I think it's at seven now. Okay, it's at seven. Whoo. Well, I'll still take them at seven. If it drops below seven, I gotta go Oklahoma State heavy. Yeah, I think I think we've made a couple of those mistakes, people. But uh, just check social media, and we'll have the uh, corrected uh, lines there. But but uh, he's still going to go with what he originally picked. So there you go on that one. All right, Pierce, it's time finally time we get to talk about our Georgia Bulldogs, the number four Georgia Bulldogs, headed to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. At the helm of that Arkansas Razorbacks program is a face that the Bulldogs are familiar with. That's, of course, Sam Pittman, who previously was an offensive line coach at Georgia. This will be his first head coaching experience. Uh, kind of had a little people, a little bit of a head-scratching when Arkansas made that hire. But when you go back-to-back two and ten seasons and you've lost your last 19 consecutive SEC games, what do you have to lose? You might as well go with somebody who you might deem, uh, you know, it, it, Kirby's kind of at this, uh, the same status as Saban where you just want somebody who's been in the room with and had the chance to learn from the powerhouse coach. Uh, so they, they go and hire Sam Pittman. He's going to bring in his uh, coordinators. And for the same reason I said about our first game, Pierce, I don't have a ton of confidence in the Arkansas Razorbacks program with the limited spring and summer practices and also trying to install a new system and get your guys bought in via Zoom. So that's going to be an uphill battle for Arkansas. Georgia, on the flip side, is also installing a new offensive scheme under Todd Munkin. Uh, They will be previewing that. Not sure who the starting quarterback is going to be, but I do think we will potentially see, barring whether or not JT Daniels gets medical clearance, I do believe you'll see both JT Daniels and Dwan Mathis in this game. Uh, Zamir White and James Cook are going to have to put up some big numbers in the backfield. Uh, The crazy stupid number of 27.5 points is the spread here. Georgia giving those points. That is a heck of a lot and like I said with the first year coaches first year coordinators I don't have a ton of confidence in it it kind of feels like Vanderbilt a little bit last year Pierce where if you looked if you didn't pay attention to the game and you looked up at the scoreboard you'd go okay well they handled business but if you were there there were definitely some weak spots and some um, some things that you wanted to fine-tune as you headed into your uh, your bigger slate of games I am going to take Georgia in this. I don't think they cover the spread, though. I think that uh, when you are a team like Kirby and you're going for a long, uh, you know, long play of potentially winning the SEC championship and getting in the playoffs, you're going to get some of your guys who might not see the field normally some touches. So I think that Arkansas covers this spread, like I said, at 27 and a half points. Uh, you know, you got to work on your depth as well in a year with the coronavirus rampant. So uh, I'm going to take Georgia, but not to cover. Uh, I'm going to take Arkansas technically in this game then yeah a few things at play here um going against georgia 
Especially with this many points. Um, you know, yes, there's they're starting on the road, first game, so you expect things to be a little sloppy, especially with uh, you know, a, a new quarterback coming in. Um heck whether it's it's option A or B, both of them are gonna be new. Um so we'll see how they, they mesh with everything. It's a also a little bit of a look ahead spot with Auburn coming uh coming to town next week. Um, so you also question, you know, is this going to be a little bit more of a tune-up type game? You don't typically see that with Kirby Smart, but still, you know, the players are are a different animal. Um, you know, they're they're different than than what the coaches necessarily see. It depends on their motivation. And then three, I don't see Kirby going in there and trying to beat up on Sam Pittman. I just don't. I know that's been a, a strong narrative lately. Uh, I, I think Sam Pittman was instrumental in Kirby Smart uh, building what he's built there, and I think there's a lot of mutual respect. And I don't see, I don't see Kirby uh, trying to run up the score. I think he'll take every advantage to uh, get young guys in early and often. Um, and then I like what Arkansas brings with you know Felipe Franks isn't a, a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but. You know, he's faced this Georgia team. He's familiar with them. He knows he's he's going to be familiar with a lot of the players and knowing what schemes they run. Um, so I, I do like Arkansas, especially anything over 24. Uh, I, I like Arkansas. Um, if you go down to 21, I, I think Georgia gets to that and covers that. But 24, uh, anything over that, it, too scary for me to take. I'm going to go Arkansas plus the points here as well. The Duke Blue Devils, Pierce, are winless so far. They lost last week to the Boston College Eagles. They are going to be traveling to take on the Virginia Cavaliers, who have had a couple games postponed so far. They have yet to see uh, on-field action. So it's going to be the first game for the Cavaliers. I've been high on the teams that have been able to get on the field previously. The line here is Duke is going to be picking up five points. I'm going to take that uh, and the Blue Devils here. And for this specific reason, uh, they had some some iffiness from Chase Bryce last week. He looked pretty good versus Notre Dame last week versus Boston College. Uh, He threw a couple of interceptions, um, and they turned over the ball four times in the red zone in addition to those interceptions. Um, But defensively, they have been pretty good. They, uh, I believe, have nine sacks so far through the season. I think I'm getting that stat right. Not 100% sure. Uh, At quarterback for the Virginia Cavaliers, you've got Brennan Armstrong making his uh, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's making his first start. Last year, Pierce, the Virginia Cavaliers looked pretty good. They did have a berth in the Orange Bowl, but that was in large part due to Bryce Perkins, who is gone. So Brennan being a first-time starter quarterback, the Duke Blue Devils defense being relatively good and getting pressure on the quarterbacks, and the fact that Chase Bryce, I think, is going to look to rebound after a disappointing uh, game there, a couple of messiness, uh, uh, you know, messy things happening with the Boston College game. I'm going to take Duke outright in this game interesting and and just real quick before i begin the line was what five? five all right yeah you know i like duke as well um virginia just has a lot of question marks um they you know lost arguably the best player they've had in the last 15 years um in bryce perkins at qb and that's such a major major uh, skill player and, and position player and just leader on your team that, that now departs. So very ex- inexperienced at QB. Um, I, I do look I, – I just think a lot of people are going to look at Duke and go and write them off when in reality I think – and we hit on it in our ACC preview. I said some people silently behind the scenes are, are looking at Boston College and saying this team could be pretty good. Um, you know, strong offensive line. I think four of their five starters came back. Um, they had two quarterbacks that transferred in that they felt comfortable in, um, and and that showed. Uh, and so, 
I think it's less about Duke and more about Boston College uh, in that game last week. So I do think Chase Bryce comes back, bounces back this week. I think Duke will be uh, ready for this challenge. And I think Virginia being their first game, uh, they'll, they'll be very sloppy. So getting points here, I think Duke is a no brainer at plus five. Last but not least, the number 16 Tennessee volunteers are traveling to Columbia, South Carolina to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. This year is going to be a year where Muschamp is coaching for his job. His players are going to feel that. It's all the media is talking about when it comes to Muschamp. What does he have to do to retain his job? Jeremy Pruitt on the other side just signed an extension at UT, so they're feeling pretty good about their coaching situation. The line here, Pierce, is South Carolina is picking up three and a half points. Uh... On the offensive side of the ball for South Carolina, you've got Mike Bobo, first-year coordinator at South Carolina. Obviously, he's had uh, a a storied history, and we know him well, uh, of course, coming from an offensive coordinating job at Georgia, then on to be the head coach of Colorado State. He has brought with him transfer quarterback Colin Hill, who has been named the starter over Ryan Halinski, who started the final 11 games uh, as a true freshman for South Carolina. So you got to think that there's a good little juju going on right now between the offensive coordinator in South Carolina and Colin Hill, but it is a new system. And what have I been saying about new systems? I don't trust them over Zoom and things of that nature. Tennessee has some veterans coming in, Jarrett Garantano, of course, being the number one there, their QB one, rather, I should say. So I don't trust Garantano. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but maybe the uh, veteran status of him is able to uh, win this game and cover that spread. That being said, I'm going to do something a little bit crazy here. I think that Muschamp playing for his life, his players knowing that this is going to be the kind of game that sets the trajectory for both of these teams. The winner of this game is going to feel like they're flying high and is in, is obviously in contention for the SEC East. They got to get over a Georgia and a Florida. And the loser, Pierce, is looking at a potentially dropping another two games. You know, I kind of feel like this is a really, really early battle to determine who comes in third in the SEC East. Now, anything can happen, obviously, and, you know, with Kentucky looking good. But I really feel like right now we're playing this game for third place in the SEC East as the first game of the week. And for that reason, I think that uh, Muschamp is able to get it done. I like South Carolina at home. They're my home dog of the week. Give me the Gamecocks. Wow, pretty shocked that you uh, went that route. Well, also, let me add this too. Yeah, Tennessee finished really great, but they got off to a really slow start last year. And and the lack of practices that they've had to to get everything going and and of that nature, I think that they are a team that, even though they had a great momentum at the end of the season, I think they're a kind of team that gets slow starts. So I think if South Carolina can pounce on that at home, I, I really like everything about this pick. Love it. All right. I'm uh, I'm going uh, opposite for different reasons. Um, I'm going Tennessee, and and I'm this scares the bejesus out of me. But because, but but regardless, uh, something about this game says, well, it'd be kind of funny if uh, South Carolina pulled off the the win. Um, but I, I, at the end of the day, I think Tennessee is a little bit more talented. Uh, I think from a starting perspective, especially even though Garantano, if he is indeed the starter, which I believe he will be. You know, that's a little bit shaky, but he still has some experience. Whereas, you know, South Carolina had Ryan Holinsky come back, and he had experience last year, and he got beat out. So, um, you know, take that for what it's worth. I don't know if that means that Holinsky is just not as good or if it's just that's kind of the state of South Carolina football. They're hoping for a Hail Mary. Um, I, I do like Tennessee here. I think they're going to be primed, ready to go. They should have a a, a fairly good line of scrimmage. Um 
and I think they'll be okay on defense. And, you know, if you get Garantano at the end of the year last year as opposed to the beginning, I think Tennessee has a chance to uh, to win by 10 to 14 points in all honesty here. I just think they're the going to be the better team, more prepared, and, and coming in uh, – coming in ready for what they think ought to be a a huge season. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a bunch of games, Pierce, that we didn't talk about uh, that that obviously were worthy of previews as well. But those were the ones we found, the 10 that we found most intriguing as we get everything going. Of course, I'm going to be glued at night to see what's going to happen with Florida State and Miami. Miami's rolling, so I think they're going to smear my Seminoles. But, you know, hey, I'll have to stay glued to that one. Are there any other games we didn't talk about that you really want to quickly hit on before we hit them with their easy-peasy games of the week? No, I mean, there's a couple other we could cover, but we hit the the main ones that are worth talking about. So, yeah, I think we covered it. All right. Well, here we go. It's Pierce's favorite segment of the week. He's ready to talk about the easy peasy games of the week. This is where he tells you where the easy money is. Of course, we don't condone gambling here, the sibling sibling rivalry. Of course, we don't condone gambling here at the Bragging Rights podcast. But if you were to gamble, here's where we think the money is this week. So my easy picks, easy peasy picks this week. Obviously, uh, if you listen to the the pick'em portion of this pod, you'll realize that I, you know, I was a little bit shaky, a little bit iffy on a, a number of uh, picks. Um, so I'm actually doing something that I rarely do. I'm taking heavy totals this week. Uh, you know, team over or over under team game totals. So I've got three this week. I'm a I'm a spread guy, but we're going unders this week. Let's see. Let's ride with them. Let's let's hit it big. First off. Last week I saw a stat, 16, I think it was 16, 4, and 4 was like the record of unders in teams that were beginning the season in their first game against another team whose season opener they were also playing. That's an incredible stat. I I cashed in on it last week. I'm going to go TCU, Iowa State, under 44.5. Yes, I know it's a a low number, but TCU is going to have a great defense. Iowa State's not really a, a slug it out team as far as uh, they're not going to duke it out points wise. They are, they're capable, but I don't think they get it done against this TCU team, uh, especially on defense where they've got some superstars. And then Matthew Downing to me, I, I I think them naming TCU naming him the starter just shows you okay they want to just try and play clock possession, let their defense do the work, and hopefully sneak out with a three point win. I think I, I think both teams fail to get to twenty. I think this is a very low scoring game. Take the under forty four and a half. Second game, you just hit on it, FSU-Miami. I'm going to do something a little different here. I'm going to go under 27.5 first half, okay? I think there's a chance that Miami or FSU could get something clicking in the second half. I'm going to take uh, the under in the first half here because I think Miami going to come in. They're going to be super excited, but it's a little bit of a letdown spot. You got Florida State ready to play a little bit better. defense. Defensively, they're not quite as bad as on offense, I think this this first half goes under easy. I think uh, you're looking at, you know, a ten to seven, ten to three game uh, at halftime. And last but not least, Kentucky Auburn under forty nine and a half. I'm sure that total has dropped uh, a bit. Love the forty nine and a half. I, I I locked that in right away. Both these teams, I think both these teams are are talented defensively, but they're two teams that are coming in playing their first game. And like I said, the record is just not great for overs. I love the under here. I could see this being a 21-17, 24-20 type of game, um, and that that gives you a five-point cushion. So love these two teams. Don't don't see uh, <clears throat> don't see Kentucky being able to run all over Auburn like they they'll need to to cover this spread. And I don't see the offense on Auburn uh, coming against a, a stud 
a couple good, uh, you know, some really good players on Kentucky's team. So love the under 49 and a half. Lock it in and let's uh, let's see at the window. There you have it. That's Pierce's easy peasy games of the week. Go win you some money. All right, that's going to do it here, Pierce, for our week four preview. We'll be back next week with our normal recap and preview shows. Like I said, next week you'll also have daily short-form news dumps, as I'm calling them. Uh, It's your daily news, everything that we can't hit on in the podcast as it's real-time happening because, quite frankly, things happen so quickly this year that uh, by the time that we talk about it a couple days from uh, from then, things could have changed completely, taking complete 180s. So we'll be keeping you all up to date with that. The Pac-12 news should be coming down here shortly as well, so check out our social media to stay up to date with what's happening there. Uh, but other than that, that's going to do it for us here at the Bragg and Rights Podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. Like I said, at Bragg and Pod across all social media platforms. Subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend. It helps us grow and it encourages us. Thank you so much for the Bragg and Rights Podcast. I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.